Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to author and industry advisor Mark Richardson about all the changes that have impacted the remodeling industry and how you need to either adapt or become irrelevant. Yep, this ain't your daddy's remodeling industry anymore. Find out why in just a minute. It's not a tumor. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I am very excited to be here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hello, everybody. And we have another Mark on with us today, Mark Richardson. So I'm really excited about having him with us on our podcast. I've known Mark for a long time, and he's got a wealth of information from all different angles to share with you today. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He's the former president and co-chairman of Case Design Build here in the Washington, D.C. area. He's a senior fellow at Harvard. He's the author of four books, The 30-Day Remodeling Business Fitness, How Fit Is Your Business, Fit to Grow, and his most recent book, Control Your Day, Seven Steps to Time Mastery. Plus, he's the host of the Remodeling Mastery Podcast. Welcome to uh, Power Tips Unscripted, Mark. Oh, thank you, Victoria and Mark, and uh, appreciate uh, you inviting me. Well, you know, you have a unique perspective on the industry because you've been involved at so many different levels. And for years, and usually, well, everything I know about you, every time I've run into you, you're at the front of the pack in terms of looking forward and being a thought leader. So it's very nice to have you here. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, one, of, one, of, one of the benefits of kind of being in this industry for about 40 years is you get a lot of scars and bruises and mm-hmm. a lot of lessons that you can share. Tell us a little bit about your history in this business. Give people a, a feel for all the different ways you've been involved. Absolutely. So uh, for, for many of you that, you know, whether you read the remodeling magazines or professional remodeler magazine those kind of things i think we all you know kind of approach or get into this industry from different angles my, my roots actually uh in terms of my involvement with the industry go back to the 70s uh from more of an architectural background uh my thesis in architecture school was actually designed build back in the mid late 70s wow. and literally arm wrestle with my professors in the 70s that, gosh, if you could just hook design and construction together and not have the traditional triangle of client architect and and, uh, contractor, you could make a pretty effective process. So when I got out of architecture school, I actually started with one one of my thesis advisors, a little design build firm, and we would go out and meet with clients, and then we would, you know, develop the concepts and plans, and then We'd present those to the clients, and then we literally would strap on the tools and build them ourselves, additions, kitchen, bathrooms. And then in 1980, I joined a fellow who had a little construction company uh, by the name of Fred Case. Mm -hmm. And it was Case Construction, and we actually began, myself and Fred and a couple of others, start to evolve kind of the company into what became the new name of the company. And... 1981-82 of case design remodeling. 
And, so, and, and my old business partner, Linda Case, was part of that company at that correct. time when you that's started. Correct, yeah, we, we have roots going way back, Mark. Linda, <laughs> Linda and Fred were, they kind of had uh, started the company, as a matter of fact, way back in the 60s. And uh, Linda was uh, primarily more focused on expediting uh, projects. And, and, and Fred obviously was more in the general business. So we grew the company very uh, it was several hundred thousand dollars back in, you know, 79, 80. And by in 1988, uh, we'd grown it to about 8 million in terms of total revenues. Mm. And while that a gross seems extremely aggressive, which it was, it was a product of certainly the times, but a lot of it was this pioneering of this design build concept. And then in 1991, 92, we were at 4 million. Uh, so not by design did we drop it from eight to four, but wow. so we started then to look at other ways to balance the portfolio. And that's when we launched the handyman local business. Uh, then in 95, uh, launched the bath business and weaved in kitchens. And then 1998, we, uh, we actually, um, launched a national business case handyman franchise. And then when I passed the baton in 2008 to Bruce Case as president, became co-chairman, we were collectively within the parts and pieces just shy of about $100 million in revenues. Wow. That's pretty significant in this industry, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I honestly, I don't share those numbers to impress people by numbers, but more, you know, I think we're all a product of this kind of diverse history. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I stepped down uh, as co-chairman in 2012. Now, you know, I get a chance to look behind the curtain of, you know, many of the best of the best out there in terms of, you know, advising and sitting on boards and writing and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, pretty rich history, but, you know, certainly it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride. So when you were working within the case organization as a, a leader, a growth driver, and so on. And I know this is it's back there a little ways, but what were some of the biggest challenges you had to face or, or obstacles you had to overcome to really make that company rock? Well, I think so. one of the more fundamental challenges, and I think this probably hits a chord for you, Victoria and Mark, is that, you know, uh, you don't go to remodeling university. It doesn't really exist like an attorney or accountant or a doctor. So you, you kind of invent things and figure out things as you go. Most remodeling businesses are really a product of evolution, not design. Mm -hmm. uh, most remodelers, you know, had some either a little bit of sawdust in their blood or they had some passion about design or, or construction. And all of a sudden they, did a few projects for neighbors or friends and you know two or three months later someone else asked them to do some work and a year later the quicksand was up to their waist and they looked in the mirror and said you know what i'm in the remodeling business aren't i mm -hmm. so i would say the biggest challenge honestly is there's not necessarily a rule book there's not necessarily this four-year degree or or masters of how to do this right and so we are a product of, you know, not only our own evolution, uh, but we're also, you know, scrappy enough trying to learn from our others. That's one of the reasons I think your organization, Remodeling Advantage, is so strong is that 
it not only provides some rigor for remodelers, but it provides a network that you can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd say one of the biggest challenges is just that. How do I do it and how do I do it right? And of the 10, let's say, top companies, and this might shock some of your listeners, of the 10 top companies in the United States right now, they, they, they are doing remodeling nine different ways. <laughs> and, and so there's not necessarily one right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, you've just got to kind of work through it and find the best way to see the best returns you can. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you personally did to become a better business person? Well, you know, not to get too corny about this, about myself or you or others, but, you know, I think the most successful people out there are students of success. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of time and energy, quite frankly, in investing into myself in terms of, you know, reading and learning and, 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 and experimenting. You know, I feel very fortunate and blessed because I come from more of a design and architectural background. And one of the benefits of that, in my education in the 70s, is that it taught me how to think. It taught me how to question things. It taught me how to look at life and look at things more visually to kind of figure things out. Hmm. And, you know, Fred created a context for me that, quite frankly, as I've highlighted in my books, it you know, created an environment that I could kind of experiment in a pretty safe way. Um, so, you know, I, I as I said, I, I meet a lot of really, really successful people, but the ones that are out there in remodeling, you know, they're not a success in large part based on the environment. They're, they're success based on looking in the mirror and, and getting out there and making things happen and, and becoming more of a you know, a student of this industry. You know, we, we really believe strongly, and it's one of our core values, is to constantly be learning. And we've got a bunch of people here who just love to learn, which is makes things very exciting for me. So I, I totally appreciate where you were coming from in your, in your reading and learning and so on and so forth. What did Fred do that made that happen for you in a safe way, as you mentioned? Well, we were fortunate in that Fred had a at a – you know, I kind of consider him a partner as much as anything. We were partners in some parts of the business and, 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 and not in others. But one of the things that I think Fred, you know, Fred was a very, very strong or is a very, very strong, long, long-term thinker. Mm. And as a result, he would always be looking three to five years out, not one year out, not one day out. So one of the things I think that was very helpful in terms of the environment you know, when you look at your business always three to five years out, you're making, you know, investments, you're making decisions on a much more longer term basis, not just how much money's in your checking account. And we certainly had our ups and downs in terms of cash flow and, and changes in recession and, and growth and hiccups, all those kind of things. But, you know, as I said, I think what I feel in retrospect, especially, you know, kind of fortunate in that, you know, it, it, it just created an environment to have more bandwidth to experiment and to try things. So we might, and I know that's crazy for some of your listeners, you know, but we might invest fifty or hundred thousand dollars in an idea that, quite frankly, didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But we might invest another fifty or hundred thousand in another idea that gave us, 
you know, many, many times that kind of return. Mm-hmm. So most remodelers don't have that luxury, whether it's themselves or having partners with that kind of bandwidth. So that's probably, you know, where where I feel especially fortunate in that, you know, I was able to take kind of some really cool ideas, grow a great team and do all those things in a, in a pretty safe environment. So, Mark, you were saying that um, in the industry, you need to adapt or become irrelevant. And you're saying that there's the, the remodeling industry changes and over the years it's changed so much. What is it that has changed that makes you say that you need to do that? Well, this whole subject of change, I think it's, you know, everybody knows what the word is and they can kind of look at it in, in a certain way. But I find as I get out and really touch literally hundreds of remodeling businesses, one of the areas I see that uh, they're especially challenged with is changing. And about seven, eight years ago, a, a friend of mine won won an award and in, in his acceptance speech, Chris Edlin, he said, you know, if a business is not changing, it will become irrelevant. And that was one of these moments of truth for me, sitting there listening to him. And, you know, I think it really hit me. Change is not an option. Uh, If you're not going to change, you'll become irrelevant. And being irrelevant is like the ultimate insult. (laughs) It's an insult for your clients. Uh, It's an insult, certainly, for your team and, and your product. But it's also an insult for yourself and your family. And it, it really hit a chord for me. And I started to follow down this path of studying the whole subject of change. And I started to look at, you know, how are clients changing and how is the business changing? And, you know, a big, big part I launched this book um, recently was kind of tied into that. And that's looking at how we even look at time and how it's changed. You know, if you think of time going back, uh, you know, in the 80s when I was heavily involved first, you know, we had five to 10 years to uh, adjust and change. Mm -hmm. You know, back in 1980, there was this guy that started a little television show uh, about remodeling and about renovation called This Old House, Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Vila. But we had 10 years to kind of, change and adjust and get used to kind of the whole notion of remodeling and renovation. And then we got into the 90s, that change cycle was more like three to five years. And then we got into 2000, it became, you know, one to two years. And now, you know, I think, you know, we have to change literally on a dime. What we had five to 10 years to adjust and change to, you know, many, many years ago. Now, uh, you know, we're having to change literally within six months to 18 months. And, you know, I spend a fair amount of time at the beach and, and I, <laughs> I watch these waves come in. And a great metaphor and analogy is, you know, if you think about, you know, on a nice sunny day conditions, I turn that back to the 80s, you know, those waves would come in nice methodical, you know, kind of pattern and, you know, get out and you have fun and you enjoy them. Now these ways are coming in so fast and changing so quickly that uh, it's tough out there. It's Mm -hmm. tough in terms of adjusting what you need to do. You know, good examples of that as it relates to time. You know, back in the 80s, we used to get back to clients, you know, in three to five days. You know, in 2000, we started, oh, you got to get back to them in the next day. Fine. 
Now you have to respond back within an hour. Otherwise, you're being uh, you're, you're you're just being disrespectful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and so so it's the speed of change that is that is is created. I think a dynamic and stress out there today that uh, makes it especially uh, especially tricky. Well, when you're thinking about change in in the industry specifically, I totally get where you're coming from with the time, and it moves so fast. But so, what are some of the changes that you have seen in the remodeling industry? You know, in the last I don't know five ten years. I mean, what are the big significant changes that you've seen that you feel remodelers have to address? Well, one is a pretty obvious one. I mean, as a as a speaker, and certainly you all as well as as sages to the industry, you know, 10 years ago, we used to say technology will revolutionize the industry. And uh, today, what I say is it has Mm -hmm. revolutionized the industry. So I'd say one of the biggest changes out there is is technology is now an integral part of the business as opposed to being optional. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the bigger changes, if you turn the clock back in the go-go times, 2003 2004 you know you would go out and meet with a client and and you kind of would what i call follow the fantasy of what the client is 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 wanting to do and wanting the project and it would grow and grow and you know ultimately the project would give birth whereas today your job as a remodeler is to control the fantasy to be that kind of voice of reason and to be able to you know uh, be more of that therapist than necessarily that kind of remodeling peddler. So that's a big, big change. And the skill sets that it requires today to be, you know, a therapist or a financial planner or even a marriage counselor uh, when it comes to what remodelers do is really different than it was, you know, in the past. And where, where it's tricky is uh, most remodelers, most whether they're owners or in sales or in production, I mean, they got into this business not to become, you know, kind of uh, uh, therapists and marriage counselors. They got into this because they love design or they love construction. Mm-hmm. And so part of these changes require very, very different skill sets and, and, and understandings of how to, how to be successful. So, okay, so two main things there. If I'm hearing you correctly, there's two main things you were talking about. First is the technology that has changed the industry and is now an integral part. Talk to me about that for a minute. What have you seen so far that's been the the most dramatic, and what do you see coming down the road in terms of technology? Well, start with an obvious one that touches everyone in the level of transparency today versus, say, 20 years ago. You know, your client today, the clients that your remodelers and the listeners, they know more about the products than you. And you may be offended by that comment, but it's true. Uh, They know more about the cost of products than you. They know more about you than you uh, because of the level of reviews and transparencies that are out there. Mm -hmm. So that's just a really, really good example, I think that, you know, your role is changing with that that pure degree of transparency that exists mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing things differently, differently in terms of how you communicate, doing th- things differently in terms of uh, the level of transparency within your projects, uh, you're, you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. What advice can you give? What can remodelers do about this? Um, 
you know, I personally, I've always said that one of the worst things a remodeler can say is we've always done it this way, you know, and they're, and they're kind of resistant to change. I hear that so often. But what kind of advice can you give that, that would help them get through that? Well, and this may sound a little bit patronizing and condescending to some of the listeners, but, you know, it all starts by spending a little bit of time thinking about this stuff. You know, what's happened is back in 2005, I mean, most businesses we used to talk about, oh, three, five years, let's talk about the future, future, future. And we hit the wall in in the recession and all of a sudden our long and medium term thinking muscles stopped. We stopped using them. We stopped. We started to focus just on the here and now and the today and getting through the week. So the first bit of advice I would have is start to make little appointments with yourself. You know, start to literally, you know, carve out 30 minutes a couple times a week. And and in these appointments, and I love doing those appointments, I'm the favorite guy to have an appointment with myself. <laughs> in these appointments, start to say, you know, I'm going to think about this subject, or I'm going to research this, or I'm going to look at other models of business uh, that potentially I can learn from whether it's Airbnb, whether it's Uber, whether it's Amazon, or whether it's, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I've actually written a lot about Tesla, for example, mm-hmm. and they've changed kind of the whole buying process of how you go about buying a car. Uh, and, and so I would encourage you to spend some time, you know, opening up your eyes and learning from these other industries that are much, much more forward thinkers thinking. So, so Mark, it all starts with carving out some time, carving out some time to think about this stuff. Uh, then once you start to do that, start to engage your team. Uh, there's a wonderful company that, that you all know, and I know, and, you know, very active with the, the Mosby company. And Mark, Mark uh, McClaney and the president, you know, based on, you know, so, some stuff we talked about at Harvard, he left Harvard and he started a futures committee within his business. And that committee meets once a month and they, you know, very diverse from field and office and, and, and they meet once a month and they talk about the future. They talk about what it might look like in the future, not just today. How's the consumer changing? Mm-hmm. How are our process changes are happening and changing? Mm-hmm. You know, we have a tendency, of course, there's a labor crisis out there. We all read about it, hear about it. And, you know, I was at a, a meeting with the leading manufacturers and very few of them are talking about, for example, you know, solving labor by going out and, and uh, you know, encourage young people to, you know, be more carpenters. And they're looking at innovative ways of solving labor, not necessarily, you know, more immigration and other things that are kind of obvious things that need to happen. Mm-hmm. But, but these are all examples of people that are, and companies that are spending time in a fruitful way on the subject of, of change, the future, and rather, as you said, Mark, just doing it the same way as they always did it. Okay, so one of the other things you talked about was the need for remodelers now to be counselors and therapists and so on. How can people hone their skills in that area to be better suited for the realities of home remodeling today? No, that's a great question, Victoria. And, and, and you know, I, I think you need to spend more time 
uh, not just thinking about it, but, but, but studying the subject. You know, I listen, for example, you know, and it's wonderful not only doing podcasts, but it's, it's kind of gotten me a little addicted to listening to other mm-hmm. podcasts. And there's a bunch of podcasts that are very focused on, you know, there's one that's called The Hidden Brain. Oh, isn't that a great one? I love him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Shocker Redonkin. Exactly. And and the, the New Yorker has some good thinking kind of broadcasts. So my only point is, is, is start to study, study those subjects that uh, you need to get better at. For example, one of the uh, seminars and one of the, the, the trainings I like to do is kind of focused around communication skills. You know, if you want to be a good uh, a therapist, marriage counselor, you need to know how to communicate. You know, remodelers don't necessarily think of themselves that way. Or, you know, you might study and become a, a understand the language of financial planning. Hmm. You know, your home what you renovate is their greatest financial asset. Therefore, you need to be able to speak and think like a financial planner. Mm -hmm. So spend some time learning the language and learning about these subjects if, in fact, you want to be, you know, more proficient and and be able to help your clients. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, I'm going to have to ask you to adapt right now because we're entering into the lightning round. Are you ready for that? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sound real confident there. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Go ahead. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. What's your favorite business book and why? As I mentioned before, I've been kind of focused on podcasts recently. And I haven't been doing a lot of business book reading as much. I love good and great. There's a wonderful little book I like. It's called Baby Steps to Success, written by Vince Lombardi's son. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think today you got to adapt to kind of the, uh, the podcast, the other ways of learning. If you weren't an author and industry advisor, what do you think you'd be doing? You know, again, this sounds a little bit corny. I love what I do, and uh, therefore, I'm not sure what else I would be doing. However, one of the many things I do is sit on boards of companies. So I think if there was something I would do more of would be probably be on more boards, not less boards. What are you not very good at? Oh, my goodness. Uh, probably I'm not very patient. If you ask my wife, she'll she'll <laughs> tell you that. I'm not very patient. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? I clean my car first. Mm. I drive a Tesla now, oh. and every time I walk out, I smile <laughs> when I look at the Tesla. And because of that, I, I like to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. What did you have for breakfast this morning? A banana. What's your biggest pet peeve? Probably my biggest pet peeve is something I'm also guilty about is is uh, talking, not listening. All right, great. Thank you very much. This is awesome. You know, we don't get a chance to to talk to people who are thinking forward. You know, we, we focus a lot of our of our day to day on how to make business businesses work today, right? Looking at immediate fixes, low-hanging fruit. And so it's it's exciting to think about the future and your tips, I think, were spot on for these remodelers. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me. And uh, 
I'll be happy to uh, do this or help you guys any way I can. Well, so how uh, you've got all your new your books, your, especially your new one. How do people learn more about your books and what you do? Well, you can you can always get uh, any of the books through the traditional sources of Amazon, Barnes and Noble. A lot of the different talks I have sponsors that give the books out mm-hmm. to the uh, folks, but I would say you know Amazon's probably the easiest way to order uh, any of the books. And again, your podcast is called Remodeling Mastery with Mark Richardson. All right, great. Okay, so before we go, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listeners. Five words of wisdom. Well. You know, I think this subject that we really talked about today, I, I, I have to think, but I think you can summarize it in five words, and that is change or you'll become irrelevant. Perfect. Perfect. Spot on. Good. Thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate you being here and look forward to having you again one day. Thank you, Victoria and Mark, and, and good luck to all your listeners. Thanks, Thanks. Mark. Take care. You know, an episode like that really gets you thinking, doesn't it? Thinking is good. Yeah, thinking is good. Time to think is good. I certainly don't carve out the time I should to be thinking about the future of our company or how to help our remodelers. I mean, certainly we do a lot of it, but... I suspect that, like Mark, I would enjoy a meeting with myself. (laughs) I'm sure you would. You too would crack yourself up. I would crack myself up. I could just sit there and... (laughs) Crack jokes, laugh. Crack jokes and laugh at all of them. Yeah, well, it was great. It was fun to talk to him. He just has so much exposure to different kinds of people that that was really fun to listen to. I think that was a good interview. Yeah, I do too. All right. And I think it's time to let Naomi uh, wrap it up and take us away. Sounds good. Uh, Thanks for being here. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing, and see you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.